This week on the Educational Triage Podcast, we discuss how do we set students up for success in alternative ed. Welcome. We invite you to come along with us on an exploration of interviews, issues, and other exciting and relevant topics in education, especially alternative education. They say alternative education is a laboratory for mainstream education. Why? Well, join us every week and listen in as Philip Summers and I, Tony Hunt, jump in feet first to discuss issues that may affect our classes, students, communities, as well as our teaching. Please subscribe if you enjoy and find relevance in what you experience here. And if you haven't left a quick review, please do. We appreciate your candor and insights so we can improve as we move forward. Now, let's see what's on board today. And welcome, everybody, back to the Educational Triage Podcast. This is Tony. And of course, in order to help me this week, we have the incredible, the indomitable, the ever-loyal Philip Summers. Hey, Philip. Hello. How's your week? So far, so good. Oh, good. Just going through the months there, or the week, the days. But I'll get that right. Months, days, years. One of those you know time what? periods. Yeah. I have a feeling that there are many in the audience who feel just the way that you do right now. <laughs> yeah, I was channeling many people. <laughs> so, um, when we talk about setting students up for success. Are we talking grades? Are we talking, what is it that you, that when you hear that, you think that we're going to be talking about? Well, I personally think that when we do the thing in school, we should kind of teach kids how to learn, not what to learn. So when you set them up for success, you're setting them up for a kind of a whole success, not just grades, but how to Mm -hmm. use resources, how to be prepared for changes how to be prepared for what's after high school oh gosh there's lots of little things in there not just classwork but um yeah being prepared as the success the whole success of the student so social more of a holistic definitely yeah because we want to have good people going out of high school into college or wherever they're going yeah yeah. Okay. Good. Because the primary goal of alternative education, according to the Department of Education at Massachusetts, is to create a pathway for students who aren't having success in their current educational pathway and to help them get to and through high school graduation and to get them ready for either post-secondary education or a career. Mm-hmm. And I believe we talked about Massachusetts when we did our uh, vocational episode a while back. We did. Yeah. So so we know that alternative ed is anything that's not mainstream ed, and it's not conducted by the machine, so to speak. So to speak. That's a good one. Yeah, I like that. So, So how does alternative ed do it, though? Hmm. Let's move into that. So there's alternative learning methods, mm-hmm. there are strategies. So very diverse. Ta- 
yeah there's, there's lots of diverse approaches um and don't not to be con, uh, confused with diversity or any click word like that but the diverse approach such as we'll try it this way we'll do it that way um you know, coming up with curriculum and then noting what worked and what didn't, you know, sometimes changing course right in the middle sometimes works too. Yeah, it's pretty diverse and that prepares a lot of students for a lot of different things. Right. And I think it helps us to learn how to work with a wide variety of students. Yeah. Because yeah. you've got to be limber, you've got to be agile. Because you've got to be able to pivot on a dime, so to speak. You can't be the authority ever. You know, you may be the leader, but you're not the authority per se. There's lots of topics I'm going, okay, let's learn about that. I can get us like a little bit, but we got to take it well, further. And when you say you can't be the authority, you are knowledge the authority, authority figure. Yeah, knowledge right. authority. The authority in any, right. well, the teacher knows everything. No, I don't. And no, so we need to learn about Right. And some things I know about and some things I don't. You know, and, and so I it's guess part of I'm not an authority in all subjects. It's part of a continuation of learning. Yeah. For the instructor. Oh, so. and to say that we know everything. Well, if we knew everything, then why are we teaching high school? <laughs> we should be we should be gods unto our own right, shouldn't we? I mean, we shouldn't be making a measly fifty, sixty, seventy thousand dollars a year. We should probably be making more along what the market declares, like a, a decent six-figure salary, correct? I know. Absolutely. If I was a walking, talking encyclopedia. But now we've got smartphones that do it all for us. Yeah. Well, a lot more. We did that episode on yeah. cell phones in yeah. the classroom and how they should remove them. and. Now there is more and there are more and more districts or more and more schools that are seeing the benefits yeah. of not allowing cell phones in the classroom or in the school period during the school day. So, yeah, uh, yeah because I think <laughs> I mentioned it last week that we have these tools, but nobody's ever taught us and we don't teach the kids. How do you use those tools? Perfect because example. many times. And yeah. so we're talking about computers. We're talking about the internet we're talking about ai right yes we are you know it, as far as i go, as far as i i'm concerned as a teacher i don't know what to do with it either but i know what not to do with it <laughs> mm -hmm. you know i'm trying to hone skills using technology mm -hmm. but there's certain things like getting lost in a game getting lost in you know just surfing you know believing bad information there's certain pitfalls that we've got to avoid and we seem to kind of fall into them a little bit too easily yeah and the but, algorithms pick up on that and so yeah. then they start they start they figure that they can start piling more and more of the same on you right we need to be better consumers i guess of the internet i think that we need to be able to verify information whether it comes from the instructor's mouth mm -hmm. yeah. or anybody and just go check it out. Now, if somebody says, what's your source? I'm sorry. Why, why would that matter? Go research it yourself right. and show me how I'm wrong. 
Well, you know, here's a good example. I saw a video. And we can have a discussion. Don't shut yeah. me down. Don't shut me down because you well, want to vilify my source. Well, looking for points on the internet, it's kind of like self-seeking anyway. You, you find what you look for. Yeah, right. I was thinking, though, there is a there is a video I just recently saw, Vox. It's a, it's a Vox video. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this kid, this guy, not a kid, he, he was in his late 20s, mid 20s, was looking on Google Earth and he saw this caldera in the middle of Madagascar. And he noticed over the years that it started to have people living in it. And he thought to himself, why are these people living in this remote volcanic? It's, it's an ancient caldera. It's not active. What's the deal with that? So through the internet, he, he figured out what it was and how it got there 300 million years ago and why they live there. It's rich soil because of the volcanic uh, foundations beneath it. And, and then he had a people, people in Madagascar actually get up there and talk to the people who were there. And they were there to get out of the, this area of Madagascar that was heavily populated. And this guy mm-hmm. knew it had great soil. It's terrible to access. It's horrifyingly awful to access. And that's been a problem for them because the roads wash out. It's way heckin' gone. But he found out just sitting in his, his um, apartment somewhere back east about all this going on because he saw this why are people living in the middle of nowhere in madagascar and see, it was really fast he learned so much along the way yeah and see it's kind of like when when i was a kid and even as an adult you take out an atlas and you start looking at the maps yeah and there's just something that's so addictive about that and so mm-hmm. taking this back to to the road that we were on um, with alternative ed, we allow for that. We allow them to discover these different pathways for them to learn something and we can discover and make more discoveries on our way. Now Mm. we're also skill building because a good number of students go into alternative ed because they are not there's something about the mainstream that's not allowing them to succeed. I believe you're right. They're not finding a place in the mainstream. Right. Because the models for alternative education offer more engaging and effective learning experience. And according to standtogether.org, they prepare for students for a future characterized by unpredictability and rapid evolution. And so trying to go through what it is and discuss those allows for more critical thinking right. rather than just spewing out the pablum that's expected in a regular classroom. Oh, it, and, it, a, a program, or a, I'm sorry, a, project like that, you know, find a place mm-hmm. on the on Google Earth that looks very interesting and then research it. Why? What it is. You know, just that right there is it intrigues the kids. It intrigues me. And mm-hmm. they'll find places that I didn't know exist. But I'm wondering what kind of parameters you would want to put around that oh, so that they're not just looking up their own neighborhood. <laughs> oh, no, we'd certainly figure it out. We'd do you know, lessons on how to use Google Earth and maybe the UTMs, Universal Trans- Translinear Mercators. Anyway, how the Earth's chopped up, things like mm-hmm. that. But 
um, then get good at a map and then say, okay, let's go find it. And I mean, I don't know what they're going to learn, but if they looked at the caldera, it would be a whole different thing. And then if they looked at a blue hole, say in the Indian ocean or something like that, but whatever it is, I'm sure they'd think it's really cool and exists, but I don't know what the heck it is. And that's the essence of learning. And along the way, they may find out that, you know, they've got quite a skill at something, you know, like Mm -hmm. glaciology, you know, they they found this fascinating glacier on this mountain that never disappears. What's that about? You know, it just goes on and on, but is it possible? Yeah. Is it possible on Google Earth to go back decades? Well, it's getting a little better because those images are retaken. So what you can go back on is records. What's mm-hmm. on Google Earth right now is current or current what they've got currently. Right, right. But there's old maps, there's old photos, there's old satellite photos, there's things that can show you. That's how this kid found this village. It didn't have anything. And then he goes, and then I look on Google Earth and there's this village in the middle of it. And he goes, where did that come from? That is from? so funny. And he and he was Amazing. unsuccessful for a long period of time because Google Earth couldn't help him at all help him at all. There were no landmarks. And he could come within like fifty kilometers of the place, but that was a little town. That was oh. it. So he had to really track down a lot of information to figure out what it was and why it was there. It took him a while to figure out it had a name, you know. Mm-hmm. Anyway, yes, it was really cool. I learned a ton. And he probably yeah. learned a tonnage more. So, Oh, I'm sure. But I think that brings us to what does alternative ed do? And it allows yeah. students to explore. And also yeah. they are, they find that alternative ed students tend to have better critical thinking skills and they're better. Yeah. And they provide, many of them provide superior results to the mainstream. Because there is that critical one-on-one kind of um, interaction with the staff and when they're doing their work, and they're far more intrigued by what it is, and they're able to explore rather than being told what they're going to explore. It's Well, you know, another thing that um, Alt-Ed does is it personalizes. You can personalize Mm -hmm. curriculum. And... You know, you give a student agency, you say, hey, this is your project. You tell me where you're going. Where do you want to go? I mean, and if it's a, a really good, like that map thing, it can go on pretty deep. Geez, it's very personal. They start to go, I, I, I just want to do more of this and more of that. And so you really hone their searching skills and they start to really own it. And that's intrinsic. They start to really own it. And it's not just a worksheet, and, you know, turn it in, it's done. It's like, no, I learned Boy, I did this one project once. I learned all kind of this and that and that. And, and it just, it branches out. Mm-hmm. It's fascinating. I used to love all of it like that. I used to love to watch kids kind of go in one direction. What they did find was that alternative ed students also do just as well as their counterparts in mainstream ed, but they might also go below them on standardized testing. Yeah. And, but standardized test test does not measure critical thinking skills. Yeah. It's not standardized tests gauge multiple choice. They gauge for an exact answer. It's a standardized knowledge that it's, it's actually gauging too. It's in a standardized kind of way. 
Right. And, so, and yeah, and yeah. even with the <laughs> writing, yeah. if if there's writing involved, you have an AI that's grading the writing. You have to remember that. If you have a student who is in Edgenuity, Plato, Odyssey, uh, grad point, the oh, yeah. AI is yeah. grading their writing. That's right, it is. So there have to be, if the student may understand what they're doing and they may be able to use other terms, but if the AI does not pick up on those terms as being the, the right terms to be used, or the student might be explaining in a different way, they have the concepts down, but the AI is not going to be able to see that. Well, I, I think, yeah, I hear exactly And what so they're going to be downgraded. Well, one of the reasons that it gets weird is that like the standard five paragraph essay, you know, I right. taught kids how to write this formulaic five paragraph essay. Mm-hmm. And a lot of them kind of got formulaic about it. Like, oh, okay, that's good. It's going to be good. And their voice was lost. Their expression wasn't very deep. You know, the, they sort of covered the points, but it was, yeah, it was a five paragraph essay. And I just wasted a bunch of time, I think, getting to that. I wish that it would have been the byproduct of good writing classes and clear writing courses. But I felt like I had to teach to the standard. I had to teach that five paragraph essay. But you know what really, really helped me and it also helped a lot of students there is a program and hmm. i can't remember the native name of it it's called imagine imaginarium i don't remember the name <laughs> but but it is it's a program and you can take it allows you to do things from a bubble so you might have your first consent you have your first central circle <laughs> And maybe that is, that's your main idea. And then off of that, you do five other bubbles. And then you can connect all of those. And then you can do other ones that go. So you're webbing, right? Oh, Most people know that. Then you click another button and it puts it into an outline. And so what that does is it helps students learn how to outline. And when I was writing theses, for different programs yeah. yeah, that enabled me to get that done. I just wish I could remember what the title of that was. You called it so, Imaginarium? I don't remember what it was called. It sounds it, right. I remember that program. Yeah, something it, like that. And it sort of organized your brainstorms. It did. It did. And so I was teaching students on how to do it because you could also put your notes where you had your citations. You could put all those there. You could get down into the minutiae and then it would just put it all there. And then all you had to do is click for the outline and then write from the outline. Mm -hmm. And it made everything so easily organized. It does. Yeah, it's really great stuff. I use that Mm -hmm. stuff. I had my kids were really organized. Little five paragraph essay. I had them doing one research paper thing for many years. That's a totally different animal. Um, but then, you know, like that was before the standards became the standards. And I really wanted to make sure that those kids at least got those standards. Well, the know? standards remain the same. They, yeah. they may have put other little things in there, 
they're all pretty much the same. They didn't. They always were. You know, I never, even before writing and reading and math tests, well, the writing and reading, I never sent a kid out in the world who couldn't write or read. It never. Hopefully not. never occurred. No, it just wouldn't. I'd say you can't. (laughs) We would have caught them. I caught kids like... Yeah, a couple of years before, it's like, dude, I don't know. <laughs> it happened, but it was tragic, mm-hmm. maybe once or twice. Yeah. So so moving forward, one thing that I think that we need to be aware of is, do we work? Do we learn? The, the program or the school that we're talking about for the audience how does that school, how does that program, how does that classroom define success? Right. So if you are a parent, if you are a teacher, if you are an administrator, if you are a community member, it's a great question. So I can look at you, Philip, and I can say, tell me what defines success in your classroom? And I would say any kind of progression in which the student has epiphanies and is able to learn and to demonstrate that learning in a viable manner so that they can move forward and they've and that information has attached itself to them so that they know what they're talking about and they can move forward and they can still you continue to use that information because it's viable information and they're able to parlay that into other areas yep. that that would be one version of success another as version as would learning. be yeah. it could be maybe for a student showing up on time I was going to say that. Clear expectations. If you have clear expectations and they meet those expectations, sure, that's one way to do it. But sometimes kids have chaotic lives and they don't. Mm -hmm. We like to think that they have more control over their lives than maybe they actually do. Mm, They don't. You know, I mean, what if they come from a home where there's abuse at home and so they're up all night? What do you do when they've gone hungry for three or four days? What do you do? I mean, there there are so many different kinds of circumstances. And sure, I'm looking at some extremes. But there were some students that I thought were doing quite well, only to find out that, yes, there was severe abuse that was going on at home. Yeah. And then had to take care of a lot of that. But the kids, it seemed to be pretty well put together. Yeah. And... uh but so just showing up, maybe not giving them homework, but maybe they are able to say, you know what? When I went home, I heard da-da-da-da-da, and I thought of what we learned yesterday, and it made perfect sense. And you yeah. have an aha moment because, oh my gosh, that's fantastic. So they found some kind of real-world relevance to what it is that you're talking about. Relevance, there it is again, yeah. So I would ask other teachers, if you're a teacher, how do you define success in your classroom? And don't just say, well, success is getting an A in my class because I don't give out A's. Well, that's kind of, that. that's, 
I would say growth mindset. Use it as a growth mindset springboard, mm -hmm. maybe. And what can we do to build more success in the classroom? Right. Because for some kids, even getting a C would be a success. I, you know, we didn't give D's. We didn't give F's. We gave C's mm -hmm. at the very lowest. And you got a C, I'd let you for a while. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, if you just wanted to get a C all the time, that's a different matter. That's right. where relationships come in where, you know, I get to know the kid. But yeah, um, yeah, clear expectations though. You know, we don't give D's <laughs> and we don't give F's. <laughs> so that puts the bottom on that. That's kind of interesting. And the kids always went, okay, <laughs> I'll get a C. So, <laughs> but do you provide grace in your classroom? I Somebody made a really good point today well, online. We had and, a different sort of way of counting credits though. Right. We had multiple opportunities to get credit in different areas, and it had to be at a certain rate for graduation. Otherwise, you'd be falling behind. So it was kind of a mathematical formula. It's kind of like, if you don't get this much credit, you're not going to graduate on time. And that's mm -hmm. not a good thing. And we got to figure out how to do that. And so that was the clear expectation. Now, how you got that credit, we would accommodate them or you know, sometimes drag them through some subject, you know, under threats. Well, but yeah. But I think. But I think if they have a paper in front of them that has a roadmap of where they need to be and how they need to go, mm -hmm. and yeah. you have that written in pencil so things can shift around a little bit. Always, yeah. And they know what they need to do. And they yep. can always question and say, what if I, and it's kind of like, yeah, you're the one in charge of this. Yes, we right. can. But here's what I would like you to do, because here's my thought. But if you think that this is better than that, let's go with that. Yeah. And, you know, as far as the curriculum goes, look, if I've got a kid who's a dancer, a serious dancer, mm -hmm. like ballet, you know, I mean, it's like, I'm not going to hold her to the PE credits in school, per se. I'm going to talk to her, you know, instructors, ask how she's doing. I'm going to document it. And then she gets credit because ballet dancing is, as we know, extremely arduous and very skilled. And I'm not going to make you go play dodgeball for an hour a day if you're dancing in a studio five hours a week. It's what if they're like, on swim team? What if they play a sport? There it is. I mean, I think that there should be credit for that because that's training. What and if the they coaches, do manual labor? You know... I've given that credit too. guys working in construction yeah. because they weren't working the easier jobs. I'll tell you, they were high school students. Mm -hmm. They were picking up and moving stuff a lot. Definitely. Yeah. Okay. Now, one thing that institutions claim measures success for them is retention. Yep. And I don't think alternative programs have a retention problem. I think that they are able to keep students in because they're engaged, because students want to be there for the most part. Now, I'm not talking about the disciplinary yeah. programs that we've talked about in the past. I'm yeah. talking about the ones where students apply, they go in. And to be honest, in most of the most of the areas that I was looking for um, information, they were also defining alternative programs as being private schools. 
So we're not talking oh. about private schools here. No, no. We're going to talk about retention for any kind of program where the student is not making it in the mainstream, and so they choose to go to this other one. Right. So I'm, <clears throat> I, alternative programs are better at retaining their students than mainstream, maybe because it's they can't get lost in the shuffle. Maybe it's because they get they get the grace and they get the time to actually understand what it is that they're supposed to learn and being able to move on and make sense of what's happening so that they can move forward. They've invested. Yeah. Investment and all that. On both sides. Good good program. Yeah. On both sides. Yeah. From the teachers, especially the students, you know, they, they get that too. Right. So there's a reason to be at school. And then we have completion, which mm-hmm. may be, for some, maybe it's GED because they are so far behind and they didn't find the program until it was. It might have been too late, but they still have the skills. Maybe it's graduation. Yeah. There's something, some kind of completion program or principle that allows them to feel as though they've succeeded yeah. and they made it much further than they thought they would. I remember somebody being angry with me because a student came to me and said, I dropped out of school. And I said, really? I thought I was just missing you in the hallways. I can't believe that you've been gone. Didn't you graduate? No, no, no. And I'm trying to get my other friends back, but they're terrified to talk to you. And I said, I don't know why they'd be terrified to talk to me. And I think it had a lot to do with shame of dropping out and then having to come back. And they figured that maybe they'd have to eat crow. But I said, how many credits do you need? And she told me, and I said, okay, well, here's what we're going to do. And so we got her re-enrolled. I had administrators who were furious with me for bringing her back. Really? I have no idea why. Yeah, I don't no know No idea why. why. And then I had a couple of people in my own department, in the alternative ed department, who thought it was wrong of me to do this. And one of them is no longer there. The other one shouldn't be there. But um, she made it through in two months. She got everything done because she <laughs> she busted she busted her butt working at home. And she was also working full time. She was coming in. She was getting things done. And she did it. And so she was able to graduate. Yeah. And she told the others. And um, the other ones just couldn't find the time to do it or else they didn't want to. But. I felt that the fact that they would consider doing that and returning because they were in the mainstream before, but they were, she was willing to come back and say, can you help me? That I think is one huge battle that didn't need to be fought, but that she fought it and she conquered it and she took care of it. And she graduated. And so she got what she wanted. And so we have this open door. And I think having every child that walks through there and says, can you help me? That is a success story. It's not a failure if you don't graduate on time with your class. Right. You can succeed in many different ways. That success is even sweeter. It, mm-hmm. that's a better story. You know, she goes, I dropped out and then I went and talked to a teacher and I went back 
and I crushed it. I mm-hmm. got it done. And that was the best thing I ever did. You know, they're feeling good about that. And that's success. Yeah. And I had other students who did the same thing and they yeah. did it through a different program because we didn't have that one created yet. And so, and they're doing, they're doing well. I mean, I have some that aren't doing quite so well in life, but they, the cards were already stacked against them and they kind of fell into that. But, you know, it's really interesting. I had that policy on attendance and I like to brag mm-hmm. about it almost that I let a bunch of kids go, you know, but like to almost a person with the exception of maybe one or two, they came back and killed it. And that's a relationship. That was an investment. They had to kind of like figure it out and come back and that, was success for them. So, yeah. I know one student who was in a program and they were going to drug test them because they were, their attendance was awful. And so what they did was they went out and they got blasted that morning and they were just, they were just hot boxing for like two days what? So they knew that they would not pass the drug test. Oh, yeah, you're not going to pass that. And so they were thrown out of the program. And I said, so what did that do? And they said, it made my life so much more difficult. But I was just feeling rebellious, and I didn't want anybody telling me what to do. And they do fine. I mean, yeah. they made it. And I said, do you ever want to talk to anybody? And they said, yeah, I want to talk to a couple of people there because I really like them. But I didn't like, I, I just needed to be able to breathe on my own. Yeah. So, you know, I it's so, you know, different students need different things. And sometimes we just have to let them fly because it's then the nest that we create is not the nest they need. Well, that's true, too. It, it may not be. Yeah. Right. Okay. The time to completion. Mm-hmm. Sometimes a student might come to us, let's say junior year, senior year, and they might need 11 or 12 credits Oof. out of 24. Let's say 24 or 25. So they're halfway there. Can they do it? Yes, they can. But it means that it, it's it's a it's a hard road to hoe, and we can do it. But we also have to ask them how important it is for them to graduate on time versus graduate. Well, we were always pretty honest about that. So, <laughs> yeah, you're yeah, pro- you're not going to graduate on time, but you will graduate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So do we measure success by academic performance? Only in a micro way. I mean, as I've said, our program didn't allow a D or an F. <coughs> Excuse me. So but you had to work on that C. Now I would like you to get B's and A's. More power How to do you, you know what the, do, are the students given a rubric so that they know what's no. expected for an A, B, C? No, it's not as generic so as that. But is the grading then arbitrary? The the grading can be. Um, it's not arbitrary per se. Should it's, it be? Um, well, it's based upon where the student is and what they've done with it. So, like, I have that famous story. I've got the kid who 
English was her second language and she struggled with the wording mm-hmm. and the punch. And you had her rewrite and rewrite. Ten times. Yeah. Right. And she got right. it. I gave her an A at the end of it. Now, you know, it's probably a B paper. But, but that was an exception to the rule. It was kind of, well, yeah, because I knew where she had come from, which was not acceptable. This was an, a not acceptable paper to a B mm-hmm. level. You know, I mean, I was pushing and pushing and she was writing and writing. I was like, dude, for you, that's an A. That is superior work. You have really broken through. And the standard was always there, you know, once she got to the standard. But after mm-hmm. that, yeah. So is anybody going to argue me? Well, I'm a teacher. <laughs> I would say that it was a good call and I'll still defend it. Yeah. You know, I'm not going to judge right. her against a person, a kid who's been speaking English since birth here and everything like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I'm just, I'm just thinking... It's better for students if they have a clear-cut idea of what it is that they need to do in order to receive an ABC. Right. And um, what what and it also helps with grading because you can look for those qualities or those characteristics. Yeah, mm. whatever always the assignment is. I always yeah. had like a checklist for my packets. If you did this, you mm-hmm. know, uh, this were this much points, and then and we also then. discussed. We also went on a discussion with the students about what it is that they were doing, whatever they were learning, right. because because like for the language arts packets, they would have projects that they would do, but they would also mm-hmm. have to find a book and read it. And it wasn't a book that we assigned to them. It was a book that they chose. Now, we might help them choose that book. Yeah. And sometimes they were absolutely flabbergasted that they really liked the book. But there were there was also the need for a lot of students who just didn't have the time to sit down and read to be able to have an audio book. And so we granted them that. Okay. So audio books are actually important. Okay. So the next one and last that for um, an element would be students, educational goal and the achievement. So that gives them the agency. It allows them to get to a certain point and to actually see that they're getting there. And I think that that is something that we become coaches. We become mentors when we're doing that. Um, I had a student who would just act up constantly. And finally, one day I went up to him and I said, you know what? If you quit playing around, you could be finished in four weeks. (laughs) <laughs> and he looked at me and said, what do you mean finished? And I said, graduate. And he said, what do you mean? And I said, you need to get this, this, this done, plus this over here, and you'll graduate. And he looked at me and he said, are you joking? And I said, no, I've been trying to tell you this for three months now. And he said, I'm going to graduate? And I said, if you get this, this, this done, and this. And all of a sudden, his behavior changed. Lucky you. He became quite <laughs> focused. And I asked him, at graduation, I looked at him and I said, why were you such a jerk? And he said, because mm-hmm. I didn't think I was, I was going to be able to graduate. <laughs> he said, I thought I was just biding my time because I was never going to be able to graduate. He oh, said it was just, 
too far away. But you we guys had kids kept who didn't me want to graduate. No, he really did want to. Yeah, a few that didn't want to. And it's like, no, no, no. You got to go. You don't believe. We're not going to have you come back in September with like a month's worth of work to do because they wanted to hang out. It was so weird. (laughs) So I think what we need to do now, and let's take a look at the effectiveness of alternative schools. Yeah. So... These these are statistics that come from the 80s, 90s, the oddies, and more recently. But it suggests that students in alternative programs perform well academically mm-hmm. as long as it's well-designed. Um, they improved on a variety of academic measures, including grades, attendance, Number of courses failed, so credit recovery and disciplinary referrals because mm-hmm. they were able – they have agency. They There's somebody there that's helping them, and they're not lost. So they outperform similar students not enrolled who match the same parameters that they did when they came in but stayed in the regular system. So if you think about this, at this time, about 800,000 students or 1.6 of all students are enrolled in alternative schools. They are disproportionately served students in urban settings. Only 30% of mainstream school students attend urban schools, but 45% of alternative school students attend urban schools. That's interesting. Yeah, 57% of students in alternative schools are male compared with 51% in mainstream. That again makes a lot of sense. Why is that? Boys. If you're looking at all dead as sort of the disciplinary set, if you're looking at from a disciplinary sort of point of view, boys just get kicked out of school. You know, well, that's true. They just do dumb stuff. And, yeah. Okay. And then we Not have all. 19% and 34% of alternative school students are black and Hispanic, okay. respectively, compared with 15% and 27% in mainstream schools. Yeah, yeah. And we talked about that, too. Yeah, we have. Mm-hmm. Uh, and those numbers mm-hmm. are growing. Near smart kids. (laughs) And here's the thing. They alternative programs hold kids accountable. Mm -hmm. Maybe that's not happening enough in the mainstream, or maybe they can't hold their feet to the fire, so to speak, because there are so many of those gremlins running through the halls. I think there's a lot to that, you know. They can't. And then 9% of alternative high school students are English language learners. Wow, that makes sense. And 6% of those are in the mainstream. So more ELL students are in alternative ed percentage-wise than are in the mainstream. Hmm. That's an interesting number. 
only because where's the support in alternative ed? Does that mean that they're getting the support? Or are they just there? <laughs> they're there, through. but they're there. However, the lessons can be shaped and tailored so that they yeah. can learn their English language. And then usually there is some sort of relationship with the ELL instructors or yeah. programs in order to help get that student through. Sure. But it's that one-on-one -on -one where they're getting that language learning, which yeah. is more effective than Sage on the stage talking at them and they have no clue what's going on. That does make sense because you do have that relationship. Yep. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay. Right. I'm always thinking from a standpoint of, you know, I don't want to take a student that I'm not qualified really mm -hmm. with, you know, I mean, as much as I would want to like work with an EL student, you know, there's just, I just don't have that, that um, in me to do. I'm just not that skilled at it. And so I wouldn't want to do a job that I wasn't skilled at, you see, yeah. but you're right. If I had the support on one side from the staff and then I was working with the student, yeah, we got it covered. Right. And then the share of students with disabilities in alternative schools, 29% wow. is more than double the share in mainstream schools. Huh. Yeah, that makes sense too. And this is information from the Urban Institute. What's Does it have free and reduced lunch? The, the numbers? I, I, it's, I don't have that here. Oh, because that was always a big indicator, too, because it's just a poverty thing. Well, you tend to have more yeah. students on free and reduced. Yeah. And and in special uh, or IEPs and in special ed that we had a lot more kids that were in special ed. Per, per but those have there is a limit that special ed has to be very, very careful because yeah, do. I don't yeah. believe that they are allowed any more special ed students in the mainstream in, in alternative programs than mm -hmm. are in the mainstream. So right, if you are right. up to 33% in the alternative programs, you have to cut it off because mm -hmm. unless you have 33% in the mainstream, it's not going to go any further. So they have to cut mm -hmm. those down. Yeah. Back in the so day you when have I did to be it, very, yeah, it was like 12%, 13% in the mainstream. And we were like at 22%, 23%, right. something like that. Right. Right. So you have to be very careful. Yeah. And it really depends, too, on what the IEP and what what is required mm -hmm. for that student to learn. So we were, we did refuse some you of them. You have to kind of, of, there's the abilities were low. Right. If they're but a low skilled it. student, then that takes the place of two or three students. Yeah. And, so and you have we to didn't be, have the resources to help mm -hmm. the, the kids a lot of times, you know, the one on ones, the tutoring, the things like that. So, right. But yeah. So um, that makes sense. Yeah. Okay. Not huge amounts so, of numbers, but more numbers in IEPs. So wrapping up. Yeah. I think what we've discovered is that it's almost like a private program for some students and this, the, the it's, it's actually a win for them to be kicked out of the mainstream <laughs> because yeah. they, 
they they are offered more opportunities, I think. However, more school districts yeah. are cutting funds to the alternative programs because they want to use it on students that they feel are more deserving while they talk about this quest for equity. So there, mm, ouch, yeah. there's, there's a real hypocrisy that's going on. Um, but the alternative programs are very different and no, they're not those kids. They are our kids. Every, if you go into a district and they talk about the alternative kids in the program or the kids in the program, you can always correct them and say, oh, you mean your kids in the alternative school? But if they you are a part of that district, you can say, you mean our students in the alternative programs? Because you need to be inclusive. So don't let people get away with that. But we know that students can find success there. And there are so many myths about alternative programs. I'm going to throw one out there, and that is alternative teachers do not live with the students. Mm-hmm. We aren't involved in many of their lives outside of school. In fact, it's very rare that a teacher would be involved in students' lives outside of school. It and is. even then, it's it's not... Even if they were, it would be purely, what's the word, superficial in many ways. It might be that they're going to see them to give them a book or something and meet at a- There's a certain place. propriety. Right, right. Uh, as a so, teacher, I don't invade the personalizing of students. Now, the one thing that really cracked me up was when I was teaching the residential kids- People in the mainstream looked at me and said, so what happens to those students when you go on vacation? And I said, well, what do you mean? What happens to them? (laughs) They said, well, who watches them? And I said, well, the staff. They said, well, what do you mean? Aren't, aren't, don't you live with them and, and all that other stuff? I said, what other stuff? I said, no. I show up. I show up at seven fifteen in the morning, and I leave at three fifteen. Yeah. What's what? What other stuff? They said, "Oh, you don't live there twenty four 7 It's like, uh, no, no. <laughs> so, so that would be an extreme kind of program, I think, and it would be extremely difficult, I think, for the teachers because it's already. Well, alternative ed is incredibly rewarding and teachers feel wonderful. It's also a high burnout unless you know how to pace yourself and do the right things with boundaries, etc. So I think we look at success in different ways. We're not looking at who's the high scholar. We're looking at every obstacle that is overcome by every one of our students. And so every one of our students is a high success. Yeah. And, you know, honestly, being a teacher and and the one that grants them credits toward graduation is a pretty powerful Mm -hmm. role. Yeah. Definitely. All on its own. So, Phil, thank you so much. Thank you, Donnie. And to everybody out there, we will see you next week. And until then, 
Touch the sky with your feet on the ground. Bye-bye.